Samuel uh, chapter 19 tonight. Hope I've got that right. If you want to put that up on the board. I hope that uh, some of you know in the Bible it talks about uh, times when it was as the days of heaven on earth. I don't know whether you realize it or not, but you're going through a good time here at church. I hope you know that. A time of blessing. But uh, in times of blessing, you can figure the devil like to raise his head up. And he probably sitting out there in the parking lot, sitting on the hood of some truck, figuring out, how can I mess this thing up? And so you want to be on guard and watch out what you're doing. And uh, let's, let's keep working for the Lord. I'm really looking forward to uh, camp meeting. Uh, <clears throat> the camp meeting, in case you're listening online, we want to invite you to come. We're praying. I want you all to pray. Write it down. So we pray for representation from 20 different states to be here. That's what I'm praying for. I, I know what God will do, but that's what I'm asking him. If he says more or less, that's up to him. But I'm asking God, to, because I know this, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And uh, I'm telling you what, we want to serve people when they come. But if you're online or maybe listening to this later, uh, the camp meeting is right here on the church grounds. We've got 16 acres out here and we have an outdoor tabernacle, open kind of an open building that we have it in. And uh, if you need a place to stay, uh, like uh, they'll give you a list of hotels and motels. If you're a preacher, uh, a missionary, we'll put you up ourselves. We'll pay for your uh, accommodations. But we've also got campgrounds around here. And if you're just cold camping and you're tough, you can camp right out here on the grounds. We'll put you <clears throat> somewhere down there next to a log with two copperhead snakes laying underneath it. And you can camp out all you want to. <laughs> and, uh, i got to tell you about my vice before we go to preach tonight. How many of you about Most preachers got a vice. i got a vice. You know what my vice is? Boxing. Now, I'm not a boxer. I'm, I like, when I was a kid, I wrestled. But I love to watch people hit each other. Ain't that fun? Boy, just smack each other and swing at each other and duck and dodge. And, and I've just always had a, I don't know, there's just something about it. I just like watching guys beat each other up, you know. And, uh, and I, did, I just recently got acquainted with some guys I didn't know about. Some of you probably know them, but the, how many ever heard of the Klitsch, uh, Klitschko brothers? Anybody ever heard of them? You heard of Sam? I'll tell you what, now they're something else. They're Ukrainians. Where's our Ukrainian people at back here? Those, do you know them guys? Klitschko brothers? No. Oh, you need to get to know them. <laughs> they're about six seven, six eight, and they ain't they're not skinny, but they're not they're not heavy. They're muscle. I'll ask my wife. Huh? I'll ask my wife. You ask your wife about them. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. Uh, they've been world, the, the, the older one has been world champion, but America doesn't want to hardly recognize it. He, he just doesn't fit the media, media's narrative. Uh, these boys raised tough and, and rough, and, uh, but I just loved to watch that older one box. He just tickles me to death. And not, you say, Rich, why do you like to watch that kind of thing? Because I'm all time in a boxing match with the devil. Yeah. Yeah. And I always learn something. <clears throat> I'll tell you what I love about that guy. I can't stand, I can't stand, and anybody that does this deserves to be whipped. That somebody swings at him a time or two and they go. And they just sit there against the ropes and they're just beating the snot out of them. And they never swing back. Now, I will to tell you right now, when the devil swings at you, you come out of there with a fist doubled up. You'll stop that nonsense a little bit. Amen. How many of you have ever been in a good old fight and the old boy's beating you up pretty bad and all of a sudden something got ticked in you and you said, I'm going to hit him back. 
and you hit them back and you find out they wasn't near as tough as they act like. They can't take a punch very well. I want to tell you about the devil. You hit him with the word of God. I'll tell you, it's a sword. It's a weapon of warfare. And it, I'm telling you, what, I don't like, but what I love about old, his name is Vislaki or something like that. I can't pronounce their names. But I mean to tell you, you don't want to swing at him. And he doesn't put up his guard. He just kind of walks around like this right here, that, that right hand just kind of like that. And, that. and he'll poach you so fast with that left hand, make your head swim. And he just constantly, boom, boom. I just like hit him again. Hit him again. And I mean, big old guys. I mean, he whipped the, I watched it. I watched the fight. He whipped the guy that, that whipped Mike Tyson. I mean, this guy, this guy ain't no monkey messer. His left punches are harder than my swings with a baseball bat. But I like him because you, sw- he, he ain't waiting on you to fight. He's coming after you and he's going to swing and he means to take you out. And Christians need to have that attitude toward the devil. I'm telling you, it's right. Resist him. Quit taking it from him. Quit sitting at your house going, oh, 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 and letting him beat you to death with his lies. Ain't that right, Brother Bob? Hit him. Punch him. Now, what he'll do, I just love it. He's got that old-fashioned stuff. He's got his trainer. I love his trainer. And I, they don't talk, and they don't go on stupid. Boy, I'm going to tell you one thing. he just look at you. He don't go. I get, he just looks at you. And the longer he looks at you, the more so there's something behind him eyes. I'm telling you, you know, I mean, he, but, but what I like about it is he will put you out. He will fight. I can't stand. I'm going to tell you something. You know what's wrong with a lot of us? You know why a lot of people go, oh, boy, I'll tell you, life's tough. I've just been beat, beat up by the devil. Yeah, because you ain't swinging back. And I'm telling you right now, but I just love it. You know what he does? He just keeps poking you and poking you and poking you like that. And pretty soon, you know, you get that and all of a sudden out comes this. And oh, oh, Rock, how many knows Rocky Marciano? Oh, mercy. Rocky Marciano had what he called Susie Q. How many knows what his Susie Q was? That's when he would put you on the mat out, O-U-T with capital letters, O-U-T, out. How many ever seen him box old Jersey Joe Walcott? Now, Jersey Joe Walcott was a fighting machine. Black men back in the 20s and 30s or 50s, whenever it was there. And I'm telling you what, and I, I respect Mr. Walcott because his daddy died. He was the oldest son of 11 kids. And he worked his guts out trying to help feed his brothers and sisters. And starved himself trying to feed his little brothers and sisters. And he worked his way out of poverty, boxing, became world champion. And I've uh, got a lot of respect for him. But I'll tell you what, Rocky Marciano walked in there and the whole country was betting about 10 to 1 on old Walcott. And old Rocky Marciano said, he just said, I ain't taking his hits. And Rocky's about that short, you know, little old short arms. He can't box. In fact, that was Walcott's mistake. He said, he's not professional. Said, I'll take him out in a, in a round or two. Well, he didn't do it. Next thing Walcott knew, he's laying on the ground going... <laughs> The reason, Marciano would fight. And I was saying all this tonight, my wife, she can't stand boxing. She said, why are you watching that boxing? She don't, she'll get up and leave the room. And I'm watching my boxing. And uh, I said, honey, I learned things from it. There's things you can learn. Even when you think you're about hooked, you ain't. You don't ever give up. You don't ever quit fighting. You don't ever quit withstanding the devil. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how hard he's hit you. Well, I don't know what I got into all that. Miss Carrieville, do you like boxing? 
No. No, you I didn't. I could tell by the look on your face you weren't very interested in this boxing situation. <laughs> But watch boxing, watch boxing. There's something about us guys. We just love to see two fellers beat each other up. Anyway, well, let's go preaching tonight. But I, I, you know what? It could be this week. The devil tried to beat you. Could you know something? This week, Satan tried to beat me up. And sometimes, I, Brother Phil, I just want to walk over and just hunker down the corner and say, I'm just, I don't feel like fighting. But I'm not home yet. I'm not out of the ring yet. The bell hadn't rung yet. Amen. <laughs> hey, by the way, be here on Wednesday night. Boy, I tell you what, we've been hearing some great messages. I'll tell you what, I mean, some good messages on Wednesday night. These guys have been preaching. And, uh, and the great part about it is they're limited to 730. They got to quit about 730. So, boy, they're just pouring it on, getting the time in there, you know, and that's good for them. And then we have prayer meeting and, and I encourage you to come. But I'll tell you what, I'm not joking. We've been hearing some wonderful, wonderful messages. And I appreciate these men preaching. So you come be with that. You don't have to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 10, when the Lord is teaching the disciples to pray, remember this, he said, thy kingdom, kingdom, kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to preach a message tonight about three men and how they represent how people's going to be, how it's going to meet the king coming. Uh, one of you boys, would you care to help me get this down here? And I'd hate not to ask for help because I'll bang it up if I ain't careful. But I want to show you something now tonight as we, as we explore this subject about the, the kingdom. So I want you to keep in mind, this is Old Testament. Here's the cross when Christ came. Here's the church age that we're in. Tribulation period and the thousand year reign. The king is coming back. Okay. All New Testament doctrine is inlaid in the Old Testament. Okay. It's, it's inlaid in there. And, and God pre-writes prophecy before he ever literally gives you the doctrine on it. In 2 Samuel chapter 19 tonight, if you're there. Here's where we're at in the story of the life of David, whom David is a particularly a type of Jesus Christ in his king uh, status, his king, his, in his king, uh, his king as, as king. And David here has a son by the name of Absalom. And Absalom did something. He stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Absalom is a type of the Antichrist. There are many, many Old Testament types of the Antichrist, but Absalom is one of them. And he drove David off the throne. Absalom is also a picture of Satan in a sense of, of uh, controlling things, you know, in this time period. The kingdom is a major subject of the Bible. It's been God's plan and God's purpose to establish an earthly, visible, Davidic throne kingdom on this earth. And it's in two phases, the millennial reign, the millennial kingdom and the eternal kingdom. Moses spoke about it, spoke about the scepter shall not depart. The prophets spoke about it and all through the Old Testament. The Jewish people who read their Bibles knew that there was a messianic king coming and a kingdom with it. And they anticipated it and understood it those who read their Bibles when Jesus Christ was born. That's why in Matthew chapter two and verse one through six, the wise men's, where is he that is to be king of the Jews? That's why Herod had the babies killed because he was afraid of this king. That's why Pilate on the cross said, right, he has written the king of the Jews. That's why the disciples went out and preached the gospel of the kingdom, not of grace. 
because they knew Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah. They just didn't understand that he had to come first and suffer for their sins. Now, you know that Israel as a nation rejected the king, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they put him out of this world and out of their hearts and minds at the point of a spear and at the end of a nail. The kingdom was postponed at that time. And the kingdom now of Jesus Christ is in mystery form. And that's given to you in the, par the, the parables of Matthew chapter 13 of the mysteries of the kingdom, the par parables of the kingdom. You had the parable of the sower, the parable of the tares, the parable of mustard seed, the parable of leaven, the parable of hid treasures, the parable of the pearl of great price. And number seven, you had the parable of the dragnet where they draw, draw in the fishes. And Jesus gave the parables of the kingdom in mystery form. You say, Reggie, what do you mean by that? <coughs> Although Jesus Christ is not here visibly on the throne of David in Jerusalem like he will be someday, he is on the throne of the hearts of his people. And it's an unseen kingdom. I'd like for you to put up on the board up here, Romans chapter four, put up Luke 17, 21, because you need to get this down. There are people who do not believe that there will be a literal, absolute kingdom where Jesus lit the reigns upon this earth, but there will be. But between, between now and then, the kingdom is what Jesus called in mystery form. Neither say, shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom is within you. The disciples had asked about the kingdom. And Jesus said, the kingdom is within you. And by the way, your heart is the throne. And you need to figure out who's the king on the throne of your heart. Uh, go to Romans 14, 17. As far as the kingdom in its mystery form now, the unseen ruling of Christ in the hearts of men on this earth. <clears throat> For the kingdom of God is not me to drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And that's what, bless your heart, I, I come in tonight and sit down at church and that's exactly what happened. Amen. I'll tell you what, it's not how much groceries I got and how much water I, or Coca-Cola I've got to drink and coffee. I'll tell you what, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost in the living in the midst of a wicked and a perverse world. And so I'm saying to you this, the kingdom of God in mystery form is entered into by the new birth. That's how you entered into the kingdom of God. At this time, there is a kingdom of God that is in mystery form and it is part of the, the church is part of that sovereign, overarching uh, kingdom of God upon this earth. Uh, you have in the Bible the term kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven, I believe, is encompassed as the church within the kingdom of God. And so you have this mystery thing that we, we are experiencing the kingdom of God now, but not Christ. But we will have the king returning someday. That is called the manifestation of the kingdom. Now it's a mystery. Now it is God, Jesus gave him parables and, and about it here being here. But one day there'll be a manifested kingdom of the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on earth. And also it will move into the eternal reign of Jesus Christ in this world. Now in this passage of scripture, there's the biblical prophetic layout. Jesus came. He was rejected by Israel. They said, we'll not have this man rule over us. <clears throat> and I'm laying out here something. Because everything that happens in the kingdom, in essence and around it, actually happens in personal lives in the mystery of the kingdom. Because you and I can do the same thing to Jesus that Israel did and the world did when he was here. We can say, I will not have this man rule over me. I want to ask you tonight, who's ruling over you? 
Who is your king? Who's your master? The disciples often called Jesus Christ master. I used to hear old men who were Christians, godly men when I was a boy. When they'd pray, they'd say, master, master. They'd talk to you about Jesus. They'd say, the master. You don't hear people even say that anymore. The reason is because he's not master over their lives. The king and the master of our lives. Boy, listen to me tonight, beloved. Our Lord Jesus Christ is far more than just our savior. He's our master, our Lord, our king. And as I said this morning, our whole existence revolves around in, in him. And so Israel was set aside because they rejected him. The kingdom was postponed and that ushered in the church age and that had a purpose to it. And the purpose was that Romans chapter 8, 9, or 9, 10, 11 was to graft in the Gentiles to the body of Christ and to the kingdom of God. And to let us Gentiles have a part in the kingdom of God. Now. You say, Reggie, but he's coming back. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father judicially, but he's coming back. And not only, see, he was rebelled against, he was rejected, but I'm telling you, he's returning and he's ruling. And those are four things I want you to get down tonight. Rebellion, rejection, returning, and ruling. Between the time of his rejection and exile, he, dwell, he is dealing with you and I as Gentiles primarily in the church. In 2 Samuel chapter 19, where you're at tonight, is a prophetic picture of how men will meet the king. How you and I will meet the king. And there's going to be three men that's going to be mentioned. Shimei, Mephibosheth, and Barzillai. And those three men are going to describe how every, everyone in this building, everyone in the face of this earth, will meet Jesus like one of those men met him at his return. And I want to preach on that tonight. It's a beautiful picture foreshadowing the New Testament doctrine of the king coming back to this earth and how men are prepared for what's in the hearts of men. There has been a rebellion toward David in our passage of scripture. Absalom rebelled, drove David off the kingdom. David goes across Brook Kidron and over toward the Jordan River and ultimately across the Jordan River into the wilderness. He was rejected of the people of Israel. The people of Israel, he absolutely turned the hearts of Israel to himself. So he was rebelled against, he was rejected, but David returned. And just like David returned after the rebellion and the rejection, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you something tonight. I got good news for you. It ain't always going to be like it is right now. Amen. This world is not always going to reject Jesus Christ and rebel against Jesus Christ. And he's going to come back. And the question is, how will you and I meet the king when he does come back? Well, the Bible says here that the king was weeping. Look in chapter uh, uh, one there, chapter 19, verse number one. And it was told Joab, behold, the king weepeth and mourneth for Absalom. Did you know before Jesus Christ uh, left out of left this earth, he wept over Jerusalem and said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, just like David said, oh, Absalom, oh, Absalom, would to God I had died for thee, but Jesus did die for you and I. Now, I want to get down tonight to these three men, but from chapter 19, verse 1 to chapter 20, verse 3 is the king in rejection. But just before his return and approaching his return, there's a picture of him coming back and these three men, how they met. So let's read tonight as we go. Let's pick it up at verse number nine. Now, remember this. The uh, rebeller Absalom has been killed 
been destroyed and all of the forces that were for him are in fear because they took the wrong side of the issue. And here comes David back in verse number nine. All the people were at strife throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, the king talking about David saved us out of the hand of our enemies and he delivered us out of the hands of Philistines. And now he's fled out of the land for Absalom. So there's a lot of confusion. Verse number nine, Absalom whom we anointed over us is dead in battle. Now therefore, and I want you to watch this carefully what the Holy Ghost states. <clears throat> Why speak ye not a word of bringing the king back? You remember what Jesus taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Same thing right here, bringing the king back. You and I ought to be praying tonight that the king comes back. Amen. I'll tell you what we can do. We can vote till the cows come home. And we ought to be involved and we ought to vote and we ought to, we ought to go into our culture and into this world with the um, a culture of Christianity and the message of the Bible. But I want to be honest with you tonight. This thing's honestly going to get worse and worse. And the only hope this world's got is for the king to come back. And you and I not only need to be praying that the king would come back, but preparing to meet the king when he comes back and make sure that we've not had a deceptive heart when the king comes back. The king, verse number 11, David sent to Zodok and Abathar the priest saying, speak unto the elders of Judah saying, why are you the last to look at it? Bring the king back to his house. Seeing the speech of all Israel's come to the king, even to his house. You are my brethren. You are my bone and my flesh. Wherefore, then are you the last to bring back the king? Boy, I tell you what, there's a message here tonight in this. Our hearts ought to be for the king to come back. Brother Stamper, I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't looking for the next election. I'm looking for the king to come back. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. This is going to be exciting. We're going to rule and reign. Satan's going to be put in the bottom of his pit for a thousand years. He's going to reign in Jerusalem. Amen. I'm going to tell you what he's going to rule with the rod and iron. He's going to put down this filth and this nastiness and this garbage and all this stuff in the news media. And they're going to put on the news he says to put on. Well, verse number 13, you say Amasa. Art thou not of my bone and flesh? God do so to me and more also if thou be not captain of the host for me continuing in the place room of Joab. Now there's a message there. Joab's a picture of the law. And the law kill you. Watch this thing. And he bowed the heart of all the men of Judah. This is what David did. He bowed their hearts back to him. And Christ is going to bow the hearts of the nation of Israel back to him. Amen. They rejected him, but he will bow their hearts back to him. As the heart of one man, so they sent this word unto the king, return thou and all thy servants. Oh, mercy sakes. Revelation chapter 19, return thou and all thy servants. Now watch verse 15. So the king returned and he came to Jordan and Judah came to Gilgal. Now watch this little phrase to go to meet the king. Did you know that you were going to meet the king? You're going to have something to do with the king. Everything's going to be brought into judgment. Everything's going to come to light in its truest, absolute truest form. No monkey business, no put on, no spiritual show business. The thoughts and intents of the hearts are going to be revealed. Fake Christianity is going to be exposed. And God is going to show you through these three men what he's going to do. He said, go to meet the king, to do something and watch it carefully to conduct the king over Jordan. 
Oh my, wouldn't that be a good place to be? And the Lord comes back to conduct, said, Lord, come right on in this way. Lord, we'll conduct you back to the throne. We're glad you're back. We're glad you're back. But they don't all say they're going to conduct themselves. The king, look at what happens. Here's your first man is Shimei. Now, look what happens here. Verse 16, here's the first of three men that's going to meet the king when he comes back. And he's a representative of people, some people. Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, which was of Behirin, hasted and came down with the men of Judah to do what? To meet the king. And there were thousand men of Benjamin with him and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his 15 sons and his 20 servants with him. And they went over Jordan before the king. And there went over a ferry boat to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. And Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king. And I want you to pay attention here right now, closely. He fell down before the king as he was come over Jordan. And he said unto the king, Let not my Lord impute iniquity unto me, neither do thou remember that which my servant did perversely the day that my Lord the king went out of Jerusalem, that the king should take it to his heart. For thy servant doth know that I have sinned, Therefore, behold, I am come this first day of all the house of Judah, Joseph, to go down to meet my Lord, the king. Did you remember in the Bible, it says that the first shall be last. Here's a fellow runs down there, trots down there real fast and said, I'm going to be the first one to meet the king. Now watch what happens. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, answered and said, shall not Shimei be put to death for this? Because he cursed the Lord's anointed. David said, what have I? Now, let's stop there for just a second. I want you to take your Bibles back to uh, chapter 16. Just flip back two or three pages of chapter 16. We're going to meet this man, Shimei, again. He's an interesting fellow in the Bible. You know, pay attention. God's teaching you some truth about people. Teach the truth about ourselves. Chapter 16, everybody there say Amen. amen. Verse number five, and when David has now just been driven off the throne, run off the throne, and when King David came to Behirim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was what? Shimei. Shimei. There's his character. The son of Gera, he came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. And he goes on down through his cussing and accusing of God. And verse number nine said, Then said Abishai, the son of Zerion, the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. Now, remember, these guys, or these men that were with the king are a picture of the law. And the law kill you. The king said, now I want you to pay attention right here. The king said, what have I to do with you, sons of Zerion? So, let him curse. Because the Lord has said unto him, curse David. Who shall say, who then shall, who shall then say, wherefore hast thou done so? 
And David said to Abishai and to all the behold, my son, which came forth my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. Maybe the Lord will look upon mine affliction, and the Lord requite me this day good for evil. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. That's the last time you hear about him until David's coming back. When David comes back, this little rascal is the first one down at the creek. Say now, <laughs> boy, I'm glad to see you back, David. And he said, you know, I, you, you know, I didn't act just like right over there on that hillside that day when you was leaving town. Yeah. I acted perversely towards you. He said, I sinned. Let me tell you what this man's a picture of. He's a picture of a man who gets in trouble in life, finds out he's on the wrong side of things and God's after him. And he makes a false profession of faith. Are you listening to me? He puts on the dog to get himself out of trouble. You don't get saved to get yourself out of trouble. You don't get saved and you don't just blow with the way the winds are blowing every time. Here's a man who whenever he thought that David was going to be on the losing end of it, cusses him all the way out of town, throws rocks at him, gravel at him, dust at him, cusses him, cusses him, cusses him. And you know what, David, is a picture of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say to do with your enemy? Do good to him. Love him. Be merciful to him. David, David could have said, cut his head off. <laughs> it wiped him out like nobody's business. David had mercy. Now watch this. David had mercy on wicked sinners. And tonight, God has mercy on wicked sinners. God is long suffering. God doesn't wipe us out. If he had it, we'd all be in hell tonight. But God had mercy on Reg Kelly all the years I was cursing God. You say, well, I ain't cursed God. No, I didn't either. But you know what? I just, I throw dust and stones at him. When you was living in sin, you was throwing dirt at the Lord. <clears throat> Do you know there's people across this world today that are cursing God? They're bitter at God. You know what his trouble was? He was from the house of Saul. And he was bitter about the fact David isn't the one who did that whole thing. It was God Almighty who replaced Saul. But he was bitter. He was bitter at David. And in his bitterness, he was bitter at God Almighty. And he cursed him. And there's, you know what's going on in this country right now? There's people that hate God. Now I'm telling you, they're throwing the evolutionists and the atheists and the agnostics and all the garbage. And the God hate America is almost like a God hating people now. And they're like cussing God. We don't want his Bible. And throw dirt at And by the way, you said all his David's servants, they don't like God's people either. And they'll cuss God's people. They'll cuss God's preachers. They'll throw gravel. You know what? Every once in a while I hit a little, little piece of gravel hits me. Every once in a while some dust comes at me. They hate God. They hate preachers. They hate the Bible. They don't want it in their schools. A lot of churches don't want it in the church. Homes don't want it. Businesses don't want it. Government don't want it. Don't bring up the Bible. They hate God and they're cussing. One day they're going to find out that, it, that they thought Jesus is gone. See, they don't believe he's coming back. But one day he's coming back. And this is what's showing you this. And what they're going to do, they're going to spin around and go, oh, my land, I was wrong about this whole thing. And they go, all of a sudden they're going to want mercy. Now watch this, careful. Go back to chapter 19. Go back to chapter 19. Here's what I'm going to tell you something tonight. I believe there's been a lot of people who made a profession of faith 
just cause they had trouble in life. I've seen people, you know, claim to get right with God. I, I, I visited people in the hospital, hearts cut open. Walked in a room and they said, ain't been to church 30 years. They wouldn't, give a, they wouldn't give a lick for preaching and praying and singing and serving the Lord. And you walk in there, I've had them grab my hand, sister, and say, oh, Brother Reggie, when I get out of here, you'll see me in church. I'll tell you, God's got my attention. Yep. Yeah, and you never see them. Nope. Quick as they get to feeling better, you couldn't hunt them up with the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't drag them to church with a log chain. Yeah. Yeah. But when it got tough and bad, they, see, and this is what happened with Shimei. He said, all of a sudden, you, you mean David didn't get killed? You, you mean David's coming back? You know what's running through his mind? I'm the guy's cussing him. I'm the guy's throwing rocks at him. How'd you like to be in his position? You listen to me tonight. You better get right with God. You better repent. You better believe on him. You better get on the side of David and do it quick before he comes back. Because I'm going to tell you something. Your little penny ante false profession is not going to stand the test. I'm going to prove this to you in the Bible. When he came back and, and fell, watch this, watch this. He fell before David, the Bible said. You know what that means? He fell. That's more than folks are doing nowadays. He fell before David. Asking for mercy. But I want to tell you a little something. Now, here's, there's two truths you need to know about this. Number one, David offered mercy to him the second time. You read that passage of scripture in chapter 19. The law, Abishai and him boys still wanted to cut his head off. He said, I don't care what he's falling at your feet. Can I just say something to you? Be careful what you're throwing at God. You may have to crawl through it to his feet. Be careful about the dust you're throwing at God. You may have to eat it at his feet. You know, can I tell you something? This makes me sick. And I'm telling you, I'm on a rabbit trail and I'm going to stay on it. I hate, I despise this fakery. Oh, I'm in trouble. God help me till I'm out of trouble. These false professions. I will tell you something right now. If you get truly saved and born again, the spirit of God, I'll tell you what, you'll serve him when it's good. You'll serve him when it's bad. You'll serve him when you're healthy. You'll serve him when you're sick. You'll serve him when you got money and you'll serve him when you're broke. You're not going to blow with the wind. If you're a true Christian, been born again, the spirit of God, not a fall at his feet, waving with the wind. Oh, I'm in trouble. God, get me out. I'm going to ask you tonight. What was the motivation when you got saved? What was going on in your life when you, quote, got saved? And what has been the reaction since? Now, I'm going to give you a little something. I'm going to tell you why Meshimei represents, I believe, a lost, false professor. Never was saved. Jesus said, in that day, many shall say unto me, Lord, Lord. Said, depart from me, I never knew you. I'm going to show you why I believe this man was a false, professing, false Christian, false convert. David forgave him in chapter 19, the second time, extended his mercy and his grace again to this man. Your Bible tells you in the book of Peter, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, but it's long suffering to us word. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come 
to repentance. Did you know what David knew about this man though? That given the opportunity, if David got in trouble again, he'd abandon him again. He'd be with that other crowd. What crowd will you run with when the going gets tough? Who will you stay with when it gets bad in your life? Because I'm going to tell you a story about Shimei. You go on to the end of the book of 2 Samuel there and you come in the book of 1 Kings and David's getting ready to die. And he calls Solomon in. By the way, Solomon's reign is a picture of the millennial kingdom. David says, Solomon, I want you to come here. He gave him a charge. He started talking about some people. He said, uh, he said you know, Shimei, mm-hmm. I promised him I'd never kill him, but you take him out. Yeah. 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 Two shall be in the field, one shall be. When that kingdom comes, God's going to take a bunch of people out right at the end of the tribulation. Mm-hmm. False professors. Mm-hmm. God's going to clean them out. Now, you listen to me tonight. I don't know your heart. I can't see in your heart. The one thing I've learned after 40 years of preaching and 40 years of living, number one, I have a deceitful, wicked, sorry, low down heart. I have no righteousness of my own. The only righteousness I have is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But I can lie to myself, fool myself and deceive myself so fast, make your head swim. And I need the word of God, which is sharp in any two-edged sword to pierce asunder and check my motives and check who I really am. And by the way, I'm going to tell you something. God's going to put you through what's called, the Bible calls a trial of your faith. Not to find out so he knows, but so you know. And God will put you through a trial of that don't look like it's paying to serve God and he'll see if you abandon him or not. He'll see if you walk and go to the other side when the going gets rough. And he told Solomon, he said, you take him out. Why? Because he was a false professor. David, watch, David's a picture of Christ and God knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. You bow down before the feet of God and saying, oh, I'll stay with you this time, God. It didn't turn out being cussing you on the side of the hill when I thought you was out and gone. And Absalom was going to rule. I, I thought that's going to work out, but it didn't work out that way. And Lord, would you be merciful to me? You, st- you start doing that with God just because things got rough with you. The doctor tells you you got cancer and all this. You've been living like hell and cussing God and, and bitter at God and mad at God. And all of a sudden, oh, God, if you'll take me through this, Lord, I'll tell you what. I, oh, really? Well, what if God don't? Yeah. What if God said, no, you're going to die? What if you say, oh God, we're in financial trouble. God, please help us. What if you don't? The trial of your faith, God said it's much more precious than that of gold. Why? Show you who you are and who you're not. Shimei is a picture of a man headed toward the meeting of the return of Jesus Christ. And he's a fake. His heart was never in it. If thou believest with thine heart, not your head. I want to ask you tonight. I want to ask everybody online. Are you in it for what you can get out of it? You know, I watch people in politics. You got the Trumps and you got the DeSantis's and everybody. And people watch real close who they think is going to come out. And they want to switch real quick and get on the side they think is going to win. And that's what a lot of people are doing about God. They'll switch out. They'll go with the world. They think the world looks like it's going to pay, to pay to serve the world. They'll serve the world. That's Shimei. He's a picture of a fake man. Next guy's Mephibosheth. 
chapter 19, if you look there, chapter 19 that we're in. <clears throat> and uh, you get over to chapter 19. Let's look at verse number 24. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. Now I want you to watch this here. He had neither dressed his feet. <laughs> feet stunk. <laughs> I just love this passage of scripture. He neither dressed his feet nor trimmed his beard. I was going to preach on the night of the wickedness of having a beard, but I, some guys are here with beards and I decided to better not. No, I wish I could grow one. I would. I ain't got very, I can't, I like to just grow a little bit out down here. But he hadn't trimmed his beard. Look at this. Nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day came again in peace. Mephibosheth, I want you to think about this. Now, to understand about dressing his feet, he's lame in the feet. He's a wounded person. I get this. Boy, this is good. He's a wounded person. His nurse ran with him during one of the battles, and she fell, she, she fell with him. And it broke, evidently broke his feet or his legs or something because the Bible said he's wounded in his feet. And uh, he was the son of Jonathan, Saul's son, who was a dear friend of David. And Jonathan had asked David before he died that when he became king, would you be kind to my descendants? And when David became king, he asked and he said, is there any of the descendants of Saul anywhere that I can show kindness to them? And somebody raised their hand and said, there's a boy named Mephibosheth and said he's wounded. He can't walk. He's crippled. And David sent for him and brought him to his house and fed him and took care of him all those years. Well, David was being run off the throne, run out of Jerusalem. And Mephibosheth, when David comes back, comes down to him. Now watch this. Watch it carefully. If Mephibosheth could have made, are you listening? If Mephibosheth could have made it when he came back, why didn't he go down when he left? Think about that for a minute. Let me, well, I better save this because the good part's best till last. Amen. Desserts at the end of the meal night. Okay. But Mephibosheth, watch this. He's a man whose picture has saved man. But he's been wounded. He's been hurt. And because he's so hurt, he's confused. Let me tell you how he got hurt. He had a guy that was over charge of his life named Aziba. And this is kind of tough for me to really decipher in the Bible, I'll be honest with you. But David had put Ziba over the household of of Mephibosheth to make sure he was taken care of. When David was leaving, it wasn't Mephibosheth that came, it was Ziba. And Ziba accused Mephibosheth of betraying David. Basically said, when the going got tough, who he really is came out. Well, when Mephibosheth came down to meet David, he told David, he said, my servant Ziba, he, he lied on me. I wasn't against you. Now, I don't know who's telling the truth, okay? Ziba or Mephibosheth. But I believe Mephibosheth really was. And I'm going to tell you why. He is a picture of so many Christians today. You cannot go to church You cannot be saved without getting hurt and hurt bad. 
There are so many wounded Christians in this country, it's pathetic. And it's not always their fault. It wasn't his fault that his nurse fell with him. And his feet were wounded and he never could walk. But he was wounded. And by the way, can I tell you, it's just like Jesus said he was wounded in the house of his friends. Now, there's three things that said about him when he come down to meet David. Y'all help me look in your Bibles. What's it say? He hadn't dressed his feet. Watch this. If you're not careful, when you get bitter at God, you get wounded in life. And in the house of your friends, in the house of your friends, where is that at? It's in your home and in your church. That's where it's at now. That's where you're going to get wounded too. And it could be that some of the dearest people you've ever had as friends in your life be the ones that wound you. And you know what the Bible said? He hadn't dressed his feet. That tells me his walk was no good with God. When you get bitter and wounded, if you're not careful, your feet will get dirty. Did you know Jesus washed the disciples what? Feet. Why did he need to wash the disciples' feet? To have a clean walk with God. You get bitter, you'll quit living clean. Now you watch this. Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. You'll quit reading your Bible. You'll quit hearing good Bible preaching. You don't want to hear it. Don't want to read it. And your feet get dirty and you walk. Watch this. Your walk get dirty. What's the next thing wrong with him? <clears throat> head, head trimmed up. Beard. You know what? He didn't care how he looked to anybody. He didn't care if it brought reproach on Christ, how he looked. You know, sometimes us Christians, we need to trim our spiritual beard. We need to, it does matter how we come across to people. If I come in here every Sunday morning and I'm just mad and bitter and all I can talk about is the people that's hurt me in my life. You know, about six weeks of that and you'd find someplace else to go here griping. And I would too. If you're not careful, you're unkept. You're not keeping care of yourself. You're not keeping yourself up. You're not keeping yourself clean. You're not keeping yourself kept. You're getting sloppy with your Christian life. What's the next one? Hadn't washed his clothes. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. If you've been wearing clothes you wore, I don't know how long David's gone, but I feel when I bet you anything, he's stinking like a rat. I'm telling you, he's stinking. And you get wounded and bitter. Watch this. He wouldn't go with David. And I don't know that he wouldn't go or they wouldn't take. I don't know what happened. But I kind of think Mephibosheth could have said, I'm going to tell you something, Zyba. You get that mule loaded. You get that saddle on that mule because David, my king, I'm going with him. He's took care of me. He's never failed me. He's kept his word. He's kept his promises to my father. I'm going with David. And if he gets killed, I'll die with him. But I'm not. No, he didn't insist that he stayed there. Dirty feet. Bad walk with God. Unkept. Dirty clothes. That's his outward life. Just, and can I tell you, if you and I get, weak, get wounded and get bitter, that's how we'll get. We'll get, I don't care. I don't care anymore what people think. I don't care if my walk stinks. I don't care if, I don't care if I, if my, how, how, I kept, how I keep myself spiritually. I don't care. I don't care how it hurts other people's walk with God. I, I don't care how it affects other people's lives. I'm bitter. I'm wounded. 
And I don't care that I, my clothes, I, I can't re- reflect the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I don't care what I do anymore. I've had it with church. I've had it with Christian people. And by the way, I've kind of had it with God. I tried serving God and I'll tell you it hadn't paid out very good. Well, you should quit listening to TV preachers. Because our pay's not here, it's there. And there's Ivan, or there's Mephibosheth. But oh, I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> Listen what God does with him. There in chapter 19 and in verse number 24, Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. He had neither dressed the feet, trimmed the beard, nor washed his clothes. And the day the king departed until the day came peace. came to pass, and we come to Jerusalem to meet the king. When the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest thou not with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me, for thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass, that I may ride thereon and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. And he has slandered thy servant and the Lord my king, but my Lord the king is an angel, as as the angel of God do therefore what's good in thine eyes. Watch this carefully now, folks. For all of my father's house were but dead men before my Lord the king, yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. What right, what's this, what right therefore do, yet I had to cry anymore to the king. He said, I've already had it better than I deserve. I never did deserve to sit at the king's table. I never deserved your mercy. I never, that's the difference between a false professor and a true man that's saved, even though he's wounded. And I want to say to you tonight, you may be wounded and you may be walking dirty and you may not care anymore. But I'm going to tell you something. God still loves you. God will still take care of you. And he wants to put you back on the road again. You're out there listening to me tonight wounded. I mean, your spouse left you and I don't know all what's happened to you. But I'm telling you tonight, God loves his Mephibosheths even though they're wounded, even though they're dirty, even though they're not walking right. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Verse number 29. Well, I'll tell you this sweet thing. Look here what, God, what David said. King said unto him, why speakest thou any more of the matter, thy matter? Hey, if you don't get anything else out of church tonight, listen to what Jesus tells you wounded hearts. Quit living in the past. It's over, Mephibosheth. I'm back to the throne. It's over with. Forget about your past. I'm not going to remember it against you anymore. And if you're wounded tonight and and you're confused, you don't know who's light on you, I'm going to tell you something. I can't remember all the lies I've had told on me. I mean, tell you what, but you know what? And sometimes I get confused. I'm honest with you. The devil come over and say, well, it don't pay to serve God. And I'll tell you what, you know, if I'd have known this, I would have never surrendered to preach. And I'd known I was going to lose all the friends and family I've lost. Why? Because I preached. So I wish you had never preached. You get confused. You get wounded. You know what the Holy Ghost will tell you? You put all that past you. I don't want to hear more about the matter. That's behind us. Let's go. Amen. Amen. And every Sunday of your life, you need to walk in this church house and say, you know what? A man got wounded this week. But I'll tell you what, I ain't nothing but an old Mephibosheth. I tell you, I couldn't walk and God fed me to his table and took care of me. I'm going to go back in church this week and I ain't thinking about that matter anymore. God says that's behind you. Forget about it. You're wallowing in your past. You're wallowing about stuff you can't do nothing about. But you can clean up. You can take a bath in the word of God. Amen. 
You can't cut your, trim your beard up and start caring how you appear to folks and not be a reproach to the name of Jesus Christ no more. I want to tell you right now, the Ozarks is full of people, full of people sitting in their church house, sitting in their homes tonight who at one time were in the house of God, who were deacons, who were preachers, who loved the Lord, but they got wounded and they got confused they don't, and they got lied on and they got manipulated and they all this junk. And I don't care no more. Oh, didn't you used to go to church? Yeah. You know what you're saying? But I don't care what, what, how it affects you. Yeah. I'm wounded, bitter, and mad at everybody's brother. And I don't care how it hurts. It might hurt your spiritual walk. Yeah. You know what God tells you? I don't hear no more about the matter. You're my friend. Let's go. Amen. And into Jerusalem they went. Amen. Boy, I tell you, isn't God good? Amen. You talk about good God offered, offered Shimei mercy twice and all he did was manipulate the mercy of God and abuse the mercy of God for his own benefit. Yeah. And then here's Mephibosheth, a man who did really love the Lord and knew the Lord. And even though he was confused and wounded and messed up pretty bad, God says, Mephibosheth, put it behind you. Let's get on down the road. People may bring it up to you, but I ain't going to. This is done. Boy, amen, amen. The sad part about it is a wounded, backslidden Christian wallers in the same junk a lost man does. <laughs> the only difference is one of them saved and the other's lost. That's why you can't tell by looking on the outward appearance. Well, the last, look, let's go to 2 Samuel 19 again and let's go to verse number 31. Look at the third guy. I got to hurry. Bonanza's almost on. I can't miss Bonanza. Some of you don't. Does anybody know who Bonanza is? Uh, okay. Well, I don't tell you what. I, I'll, I'll tell you what. I was raised in a home. This is why I'm bitter at God. <laughs> bitter at my mom and dad. Sunday night, we'd get done milking. And Walt Disney was fixing to come on. And then Bonanza was going to be after that. And mom and dad... Oh, they just get ready for church. Boys, hurry up. We're going to be late if you don't get to moving. And I looked over the TV and I said, I'd give anything to sit in front of you tonight. Yeah. Waller. Did you know what? There's people all around you. You may be sitting here tonight and you like that. Did you know something today and tonight? Hey, I'm glad my mom and dad said, shut that stinking TV off. We go Walt Disney don't amount to hill of beans and bonanza's worse than that. And we're going to church. Amen. Amen. Walt Disney done died and went to, I don't know where he went. Bonanza's over with and they lost the ranch. <laughs> but God's still on his throne. Amen. <laughs> well, look at verse 31 here, the third man. I, I'll tell you what I hope when the Lord returns, I sure don't want to be Shimei, fake. And, I sure, and I'd like not to be Mephibosheth, just mad at God and the whole world and just don't care no more. I want to be Barzillai, if that's how you pronounce his name. Barzillai. That ain't some bar uptown, that's a name. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to be a little humorous, okay, don't worry about it. Barzillai the Gileite came down from Rogelim, went over Jordan with the king. Mm, mm, mm. Watch this. He didn't just go down 
to meet the king, he was with the king. <laughs> oh, glory, amen. And the saints will come with him. Watch this man. And he went down with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Oh, my. Riding white horses coming back. Amen. Barzillai was a very aged man, even four score years old. <laughs> I tell you what, don't ever discount them 80-year-olders. They got more spunk than you think. Old Caleb was 80 years old and he took that mountain. Amen. Four score old and he had, watch this, he had provided the king's sustenance when he lay at Mahanaim for he was a very great man. Now I want you to go back in your Bible about two chapters to chapter 17 and I want to show you about this guy and why I want to be Barzillai when the Lord comes back. David's been run out of the king kingdom off the throne. He's running and hiding. He's a fugitive. And you get to verse 27 of chapter 17. Verse 27, chapter 17. It came to pass when David was come to Mahanaim that Shobi, the son of Nahash of Rabbah, the son of Ammon, and Micah, the son of Emil of Lodabar, and Barzillai. There he is. The Gilead of Rajalim. Now look what they did. Brought beds. He said, David, I, I don't want you sleeping on the ground. And basins. And he said, David, I don't want you not able to wash. And earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans. This guy was a hillbilly. <laughs> That's that description. I shouldn't do that. <clears throat> and lentils and parched pulse. Look at here, verse 29, what this man did for David when he was run out of juice. Honey, butter, <laughs> sheep, cheese of kind for David and for the people that were with him to eat. Boy, here's a message. Now you get this. For they said the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Let me tell you about this guy. When the king was gone, he helped the king and his people. Don't ever forget this. Not much as Shimei, David told Solomon, kill him. He's a fake. Mephibosheth's really not much said about him in this situation. But Barzillai, David had something to say about him. He said, don't forget him and take good care of his people. Because when I was down and out and they run me off the throne and I was living in the wilderness, he said that man came 80 years old and brought us beds and basins and honey and wheat and corn. And you listen to me. Watch it. This man invested his life in serving the king. Amen. And you know how I want to meet the king when he returns? I wanted to have invested my life in God and his people, in God and his work. Because when the king returns, Danny, it's going to be worth it all. Go back to chapter 19 there. And let's read what happens. He said, uh, verse 33, and the king said unto Barzillai, come over with me. That's a pretty good invitation. Amen. 
And I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. Barzillai, I said unto the king, how long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old, and, I can, and can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? <laughs> Are we getting there? Amen. Can I hear any more the voice of singing, huh? And singing women. Wherefore then should thy servant yet be a burden unto the, my Lord the king? You know, listen to this. Barzillai was not a man who was trying to get what he could get out of God. He was pouring his life into God. He wasn't looking for a blessing from God. He wanted to be a blessing to God. This man is a man to know and a man to imitate your life on. Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king. Why should the king recompense me with such a reward? Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back and I may die in mine own city and be buried by the grave of my father and my mother. But behold, thy servant, Chimham, let him go over with my lord, the king, and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. And the king answered, Chimham shall go over with me and will do to him that which seemeth good unto thee. And whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do for thee. And the, all the people went over Jordan. And when the king was come over, now watch this. The king did something he didn't do to anybody else. He kissed him. That was a demonstration of deep affection and appreciation for that man's investment in the life of a king that was hated and driven out of culture. I want to tell you something tonight. God will reward you for investing in his name, his work, and his people and that may be just for raising your kids for God in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. But you take a stand and say, Lord, we're going to serve you. We're going to invest in your work. We're going to be a friend to your people. We're going to try to be a blessing to people going down the road. And he returned into his own place. And the king went on to Gilgal and Shemham went on with him and all the people of Judah conducted the king and also half the people of Israel. Now you say, Reggie, what about this man? This is a man who finished well. Shimei was a, a man that God showed that he's a forgiver of the wicked, but Shimei really wouldn't take it. Uh, Mephibosheth was a man who uh, God just had mercy upon, helped, and even when he was wounded, but Barzillai is a man who finished well. He had favor and fellowship with the king when the king was down and out. You see, the future of you with Jesus depends on what you're doing with Jesus now. He was getting older. His energy and his strength are slipping away. I want to just give you this little extra from the Bible. <clears throat> In verse 4, it says, Chimham went on with the king. Barzillai didn't. But he said, I want Chimham to go with you. I want to tell you a little Bible secret tonight. Many of you know it already. But 482 years later than this date right here, when this happened, Jeremiah 41, 17 tells us that the descendants of Chimham, which is by Bethlehem, which is the house of bread, the birthplace of the king. Many people believe that the inn and the stable where they were at was the descendants of Chimham Barzillai's descendants. It pays to serve God. It pays to serve God. His children went on with God because they saw their daddy 
invest his life in the Lord and his people. I want to ask you a question tonight. How will you meet God? How will you meet the king when he comes? Will you be Shimei, a professing, wind-blowing, false, false convert, crawling in the dust and dirt? Will you be Mephibosheth, saved but backslid, walling your way back to God, wounded and confused? Or Basilii, you won't meet him? Go with him over the river. The experience, the blessing of being with God when times were tough. I want you to think about this. I'll close. Shimei didn't go with him. He cussed him. Mephibosheth didn't go with him. We're not sure why, but he wasn't there. Barzillai, watch this. When David was being hunted down and thought to be defeated and to be killed, Barzillai said, I'm going to him at the hardest and the worst time of his life. If Absalom had won the battle, what do you think would have happened to Barzillai? It had killed him. And I want to give you something tonight. I don't care what it looks like in this world. Our Savior's coming back. Amen. He's not being defeated out there while he's in exile. Amen. He's coming back. And when he comes back, I want Jesus to know, Danny, that I was on his side when he, when, when he was hated by this world. And it'll pay you to be on the side of Christ and to go to him and be a blessing to him and to his people. Invest your life and lay your life down for the brethren. Now you listen to me. He's coming back and he's coming back soon. How are you going to meet him? Fake? Oh, you will serve God if it all, you know, if the wind's blowing the right way. You're going to meet him wounded. You're going to meet him like Barzillai. I'm with you. Been with you all the way. I'm not leaving you now. How are you going to, how are you going to meet the king when he comes? Father in heaven tonight, <clears throat> we thank you for the word of God. Lord, it is quick and powerful and sharper than in two-edged sword. And Lord, you've laid out here in a prophetic typology the condition of people will be in when the king comes back. God, I pray tonight that we'd none of us, in the sound of my voice, be a shimmy-eye, cussing God one day and falling at his feet the next, pretending just to save our own hides, bitter and hateful toward God. I pray, Lord, that we'd not be like Mephibosheth, get to where we don't care no more. Bitter. Wouldn't go with the king when the going got rough. Don't care no more what people think. Don't care about our testimony. Don't care about if it brings reproach on your name. God, keep us from being like Mephibosheth. And yet, Heavenly Father, if we are, God, let us throw ourselves at the mercy of the king like he did and, and say we didn't deserve anything. God, I'll tell you what I'd really like. If you'd give us grace, I'd like for this church and these people and myself to be a Barzillai. Who in this world hated you and run you out. They've run, us, run you out of our culture. They've run you out of our government, run you out of our schools, and even run you out of our churches and we've run you out of our homes. 
that God, we'd be a people who stand with you and serve you and minister to you and to your people and be a blessing to you. And regardless of what it might cost us, we're going to serve God. Lord, help us to know that we'll be glad when you come back that we served you when it wasn't a popular thing to do. Bless these people this week. Lord, give them a good week. I pray, Lord, when they're out tomorrow working and they're fighting their spiritual battles and they're fighting the devil and the flesh and the world, that they think about this message and they think about who am I? Who am I really? Am I just a phony shimmy eye blowing with the wind? With the world when it seemed like it pays to and with the Lord when it seemed like it might pay to do that. But not a believer. Just a professor. Lord, are we a Mephibosheth who's been wounded and hurt? And we've let things go. And we don't care. And we even brag about it. I don't care what people think. God, help us to care what our testimony says to this old world. Help us to care what it says to our brothers in Christ and what it says to our children, our families, and to, this, to the people we work with. But Lord, I pray that we'd humble ourselves and ask for the grace of God to make up our mind that we're going with you, Lord, even when it's bad and tough and rough. And we're going to try to be a blessing to you and your people, Lord. God, make us Barzillais. And Lord, I believe with all my heart, I know, God, you write the last chapters. We don't. And this world's not going to and the devil's not going to. Lord, the last chapter was that his descendants went on for God. And they took it serious. And they knew that old Grandpa Barzillai was a friend of David. And he wasn't afraid to stand up with him and to stand along beside him. And I pray, God, that we'll lift up our eyes in the morning and realize it could be the day the Lord comes back. And Lord, help us to be in the right state to meet the King. I thank you, Lord, for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.